Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Tis the Season to Practice, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on December 15th, 2019. I'm sure this with you or told you this or maybe even come to you in a, in a private way and, and talked with you about this, that it, it, it caused kind of an emotion inside that maybe wasn't very healthy. And I say uh, wasn't very healthy because I mean that sometimes when we hear the truth, sometimes when we hear things that are kind of hard for us to hear, it, it kind of stirs something inside of us. It kind of creates an emotion. And sometimes we see that emotion as an offense, right? We, we're offended a little bit that how dare this person come to me and say that about me or to me. I think for, for many of us, we've had those moments in our lives. And I, I believe that, that we're here this morning because I think God wants to tell us a truth, God wants us to understand something very specific in regards to how we practice our faith, the things that we do to live out our faith. You know, in my life, as, as early as uh, being a teenager, I, I remember moments when, when my mother or my grandmother would sit me down and they would share a truth with me. My grandma was this beautiful woman of faith. She loved Jesus with all of her heart, with all of her life, with all of her soul, and uh, there were moments when she would offend us as her grandchildren. There were moments when, when she would just lay it out on the table and just speak the truth to us. She would just tell us how it is. And of course, in our, in our foolishness, we would kind of just shake our heads and say, okay, grandma, whatever you say, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. But I think for a lot of us in, in our lifetime, if we look back at it and we see these moments, these, these moments where our emotions were stirred or, or we felt offended or we, we felt like someone was saying something that they really didn't have the right to say to us, that in those moments that God was doing something for us. He was doing something to help us. He was offering us what we like to call grace. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I have to tell you, as a, as a young man, and even today, um, I play the fool. There's times when, when people speak truth into my life, even up to today, that I don't always want to hear it. And, and I, I ask myself, why, why is that, Floyd? Why, why do you not listen to what this man or this person is saying, this woman is saying to you and telling you and encouraging you with, when the heart behind it is that of God's word and, and a heart to love you and to help you live a, a better life? Well, I, I think at times it's just simply uh, for one very simple reason. It's my pride. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want you to tell me to do that. Stop it. Leave me alone. Let, let me just be who I want to be in this moment. And I think a lot of times our pride gets in the way and we act foolishly thinking that what we do or how we respond or how we're living is the right way to live. Like this passage says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. 
But a wise man, a wise man is willing to listen to advice. So I want to encourage us this morning as we read this passage, as we think about what God's trying to do in our lives, as we hear the truth of God's word, as we think about the season that we're in, that we're celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we think about our own personal faith, I want to encourage us this morning to have soft hearts, to, to listen to the advice that comes from God's word and allow God to, to penetrate our hearts, to, to speak to us in a way that would bring about life change. Because I, I can almost guarantee you there's something in your life that you think right now is okay and is right. But God has something more for you. He has something more for me. And I, and I believe in this passage here in Malachi, this, this whole book, the prophet, the words that we're going to hear, I believe that this is the truth. This is God speaking truth to us. And he wants our attention. He wants us to listen to this. But before we do that, let's bow our hearts before him. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your grace. Father, Christmas time is a reminder of that grace. It's a reminder of that love. Father, we come together as a church to celebrate the birth of your son the gift that you gave to all of the world. Father, it's, it's about a faith that we've put, a trust that we've put in you, knowing that you came and you did something so wonderful, so amazing, that we might know you more, that we might help others to know you more. And Father, I know this sounds like a, an odd statement, but Father, I ask that you would speak truth to us today. That Father, that you would soften our hearts so that we would be open to the truth, that we would listen to the words that you're saying. Father, that we would allow it to, to, to stir our hearts, to convict us in a way that, that would move us to change, that would move us to a place where you want us to be. Father, that we would listen to your counsel and your guidance and your encouragement. Father, I thank you that we get to do this this morning. I thank you for your word, and I pray that it would speak to us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we'll read verses 1 through 12 together. The writer says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in his wages, and the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me says the Lord of hosts for I the Lord do not change 
Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you'll be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. See, there's an important lesson for us in this passage. God is telling the people that he will be sending his messenger, Jesus Christ. And he sends him to correct the wrongdoings of his people. See, Jesus is coming to bring transformation. He's the messenger of God's truth. And I think just like the people of old, you and I can easily forget that this is why the re- this is the reason why Jesus came. He came to speak truth into our lives. See, Jesus came to refine his people. I love how they use that term refine. If you look at verses four and five, it says that he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. See, there's two parts of that that we need to focus in on. One is that we see that God wants to work in us to help us to become a faithful follower. And the second is we we see that it's done to ensure that our faithfulness is honoring to God. See, there are many people that think that, that if I just do good things, that I'll be okay. But God is telling us here that he wants to refine us. He wants to work in us. So that when we give, when we put forth, when we do the things that he's asked us, asked us to, that our things that we do would glorify him. They would be honoring to him. That they would bring glory to his name and not to our own. See, the refinement process ensures that we work towards doing the things that would bring honor and glory to God. And this means that you and I, we become disciples of Jesus Christ. We become servants of our Lord and our Savior. We bow down humbly in service to him. And we allow him to disciple us. We open up God's word and we look at it. And we allow it to speak truth into our lives. When there's a moment in our life where we're not sure, we're, we're, we're wrestling through something or we're maybe angry or having an emotional time, we go to God's word and we see what God has for us and what he wants us to do and how he wants us to respond. See, in these moments, God refines us. He works in us and through us. See, so often, more so than not, even as Christians, 
Instead of going to God's word, we go to our opinions or we go to to our upbringing or how we were raised, the things that we were taught by maybe family members or, or parents. But those things don't always align with scripture. They don't always align with, with the truth of God's word. You know, the dynamic of forgiveness is one that is very big in our world today. The understanding that, that we are to forgive our enemies. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are to pour out blessings upon our enemies. How many of you enjoy doing that? <laughs> When's the last time you bought a gift for your enemy? <laughs> See, that's the truth of what God is saying here. As he refines us, as, as he shapes us, as he molds us into the people, as he washes us and he cleanses us with a fuller soap, we become something so different. See, we're changed people. And because we're changed, we bring about change in our world. I got to imagine that all of us have someone that don't, they don't really like us very much. I, I know I do. There's people in my life that they don't like me, you know? They're just part of life, right? Yeah, but the question is not, not why they don't like you. The question is, what are you doing about why they don't like you? The question is, how are you responding to their dislike towards you? Is it causing you to, to respond unhealthy and just be mean back and, and say mean things back? Or are you, are you showing them God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness? Are you allowing them to see what God's doing in your life and how he's changing you, making you into a different person? Or are you just letting them see that same old person that you were yesterday and the day before? See, Jesus came to refine us. He came to change us. Ephesians 2 verse 10 I love this passage. I know it's a familiar one, but it's, it's, it's meant to be said over and over because it's a great reminder. He says, for we are workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God's every intent is that we would do good works and we do it for his glory and for his honor good works that God intended for us to do, good works that we have to practice doing. We have to live these things out. I want to ask you this morning, when you hear the, the term practice, what, what, what kind of comes to mind? And you can just answer this for yourself. But what comes to mind when you see or hear that someone's a practicing believer or practicing this, that, or the other? What, what, what kind of, what one word comes to your mind? Well, for me, when, when I hear that term, it just simply says that they're active. But they're, they're, they're doing something. See, God does stuff in us so that he can do stuff through us. God, God sees us as his workmanship and he's crafting us into the person that he wants us to be so that we could do these good works that he prepared for us before even the beginning of time. See, God had you and I in mind when he created the heavens and the earth. And he had a plan and a purpose for us that we would do his good works. But first and foremost, God needs to refine us. He needs to work in us before he can work through us. See, Jesus came to show the truth of what is right. If you look at verse 5 in our passage, 
It says, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I want you to circle that word judgment because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. He says, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. See, it's interesting to know that God draws near to us so that he can reveal to us our sin. Did you catch that? He says, I will draw near to you for judgment. See, he draws us near so he can help to refine us, help us to understand the wrongdoings that we have in our life. See, because we grow up thinking that we're doing all of these things right. You know, when I was a young man, I grew up in this Latino world. And those of you that are Hispanic, you, you know what I'm talking about. Men had to be men. Men had to rule with like an iron hand, at least in my world. It may not be true across the board. But in, in the Hispanic culture, men were the men in the house. They, they provided, they, they did what they needed to do as men. And the women were just submissive servants. And they did what we told them to do. <laughs> uh, didn't expect that <laughs> all right uh, uh, let's throw, let's let's join together in prayer for zach <laughs> uh, that's awesome i love it i love it that's great i love it that, that was good zach that was better than the tambourine <laughs> That's awesome. Well, the truth of the matter is that, that I, I grew up in this culture, this environment that, that taught me that, that I had to rule over my wife. And for them, that was truth. For them, that was how it was supposed to be. But as God started to work in my life, I, I realized, that, that, I realized that, that my wife wasn't my servant. My, my wife was my co-equal. That, that when God brought us together in holy matrimony, when he drew us near to one another, that he created us to become one in partnership. That she wasn't my servant, that she was my helpmate. That, that together we partner in honoring and glorifying him with our lives, that we become one. And it's something completely different than what the world tells us. See, again, the Bible says the way of a fool are right in his own eyes. I tell you, I was pretty foolish in understanding what it meant to be in a healthy biblical marriage. See, I was taking the opinions and the thoughts and the processes of the generations before me and living a life that wasn't honoring to God. See, God had to refine me. He had to come and he had to share the truth of what is right. See, it seems to be so when, we, when it comes to our opinions that we, we choose to do things and we choose to allow our opinions to get in the way. We have to say what we feel and do what we feel and our opinions get in the way, but the Bible teaches us something completely different. But yet we stick to our guns and we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want anybody to tell us that we should be doing it this way when we think that we should be doing it the other way. Second Timothy Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Circle that word. All scripture is breathed out and profitable. 
profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Man, is that an amazing passage or what? I mean, think about what that encompasses right there in reflection to why God gave us his word. He did it so that we would be profitable, that we would have an understand so that we can understanding so that we can share it with others, that we can teach others, that we can help to, to correct one another when we are going our own way. And that we could help to equip each other, train each other in righteousness. So that, that each and every one of us, the man, male and female, young and old, would be competent in understanding the way God wants us to live as his followers. That we would be equipped to do good works. To know what is right in God's eyes. See, we only have to look to God's word to gain an understanding of that, to know how we are to live, the things that we are to do, how we are to respond, how we are to love, how we are to encourage. See, this is the reason why we practice our faith. Because God has given us the textbook. He has given us what we need to have the ability to be active in our faith, to do the things that he's asking us to do. See, Jesus, he came to share a truth and a truth about our unfaithfulness. See, this is where, where, where I need you to kind of really take a, a, a thought here for a moment because we're going to read in a second a couple of verses here that, that are kind of challenging to us as Christians. And I say they're, they're challenging to us as Christians because sometimes as believers, we think we're kind of better than others. You know, we kind of, we sometimes take on this little kind of, uh, Elevate myself because I don't do what he does. I, I want to offer you something here. I want you to think about this. And, and I'm going to look up at the sky when I say this so you don't think I'm looking at you because I'm not saying this is you. <laughs> Some people say I, I make eye contact and I don't realize I do, but <laughs> I'm not picking on you. But in our congregation here, people that call Sol Rio home, there, there are broken marriages there are people right now that, that are on the verge of divorce. There, there are people that sit in our congregation that are struggling with addiction. There, there, are, there are people that have children that have gone astray. There are people that, that their spouse isn't a believer. There are people that you fill in the sin and that's what's going on in their lives. And I, and I share that with you this morning, not to tell you or reveal to, to all the problems that we have as a church or how broken the body of Christ is, but I share that with you so that we would gain an understanding of that our sin isn't any better or any worse than anybody else's sin. That, that we all have struggles and that we all face temptation and that we all have these things that, that maybe we fall a little more, we move more towards that we're, we can fall into a little bit easier. But that doesn't separate us in regards to who we are in Christ Jesus. The only thing that that does for us and what it should do for us is to remind us that we need to be faithful in our walk. See, and Jesus came to say, hey, you know what? You're not being so faithful. 
You're thinking that, that your sin is, is better than their sin because your sin isn't as bad as their sin. Listen to what he says here in verse 7, 8. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. So return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will men rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And this, this is an important part here. I want us to see this. He says, in your tithes and your contributions. See, this is where God is getting real with us. He, he is speaking right to you and me. And I include myself and I include you in this statement because he's making this powerful statement so that we would know that we have turned away from the things that he desires for our lives. And he's saying, please, he's saying, return to me, come back. See, and as Christians, we, we, we think that we, we don't ever turn away from God. We think that, well, you know, I'm okay because I went to church on Sunday and, you know, I prayed a couple times this week. I'm okay. See, I, I got to imagine that a lot of these believers in this moment and at this time were thinking the same thing. Well, I do this, I do that, I do the other. You know, I, I know the Ten Commandments. I do a couple of them. I get them right. But at least I'm not as bad as, you know, Floyd over there, which he doesn't do those, ten, those two of those Ten Commandments. Yeah, he doesn't do it as well as I do it. But what he's saying here is speaking to the whole church. He's speaking to every one of us. He's saying that you've turned away from my statutes. And we ask ourselves, well, well, how have we robbed you? What have we done? Because I've done this, that, or the other. I should be okay. There's no way. I, I haven't robbed God. But God says, no, no, you're robbing me. You're, you're cheating me out of the things that are rightfully mine. And you have to ask yourself, well, what, what are the things that are rightfully God's? What are the things that, that as a believer, we entered into a covenant relationship, an agreement or a, a promise that, that knowing that God is going to give and do for us, but what he also expects from us. See, because in any relationship, there's a give and take. There's a, there's a, there's a two-part responsibility. Many think that, hey, by, just because of grace that I can continue in sin because I can do the things I want to do because God will forgive me. It's okay. I can just keep living the way I want to live. But God says, no. He says, you know what? I, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to offer you forgiveness. But, but as a follower, I, I want you to give back to me. I want you to give what is rightfully mine. And here are the things that I'm going to ask of you. And one, one is that, that, that you give a tithe. That you give your first 10% of everything that I've blessed with you. And not only give me your first 10%, but, but I want the best of that 10%. See, in this covenant that the people of old entered into, they made a promise to God in accordance to his promise to them that they would give their very best back to him. That they would use the best of their crops, the best of their resources, the best of their life, the best of everything that they have, and they would give it back to God in honor and glory to him so that it might be used to bring honor and glory to him. And, and I love how the writer in here says, and your contributions. I, I love that, that God says, you know what? 
I need you to contribute to this relationship. I need you to be a part of this. I need you to do what I've asked you to do. And, and there's a whole lot of things in that sense. It's, it's not a requirement of, of salvation in that sense. So, so don't get me wrong here. God isn't trying to, trying to knock us off this pedestal and, and tell us that we got to do all these things in order to, to gain heaven. But he's saying, because of my grace, because of my love, I want to tell you so the truth here is that, that you have been robbing me. You have doing some things that, that you haven't or should have been doing and you haven't been doing that I need you to begin to do. Come back to me. And let me show you what those are. Let me help you understand the way I want you to live, the things that I want you to do. And it's not because I want to steal from you. It's because I want to give to you. It's because I want to bless you. To you and I as followers of Christ, we, we have to give to God what is rightfully his. See, the Bible teaches us that, that we are living sacrifices and we should be holy and pleasing to God. And so every area of our life, every part, every piece from our finances all the way to our abilities, our strengths, everything that we have, we should be giving back to God. We should be tithing and contributing to the kingdom of God. See, Jesus, he came and he says all these things to us so that, that we would have an understanding of the truth of his blessings. If you look at verse 10, we're going to wrap up here with this passage, this verse. See, this is a promise from God. This is the one place that I know of in the Bible where God actually asks us to test him. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing, pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. There's a dynamic to that statement that should bring hope to us. There's a piece of that, that promise there, that blessing that should instill and stir into a, us as believers a hope and a faithfulness. And here's why I say that is because if you listen to that very carefully, God says, if you just give me what I require, you give me what I ask of you, I will open up the heavens and pour out a blessing. And for this reason, for this reason, so that my people will be nourished. My people will be taken care of. So much so that no one, nowhere will ever have a need. See, that, that's a promise of hope. That's a, that's a guarantee of God's provision for you and I as his church. See, that just simply means that for every person, every believer, the house of God, the body of Christ, whether in this building or another building up the road or all the way across the world, that their every need will be provided for because of God's blessing. See, and that's the truth. 
You know, the, the prettiest picture of God's church is in Acts. And I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Where it says that, that they gathered daily in the temple. They, they gathered daily from house to house. They broke bread together. They had communion together. They gathered in Jesus' name. And they came together as a church and they offered up everything that they had. And they did it for one purpose. So that everyone would have what they need. See, this is a reflection. This is the prophecy of what was lived out in the Acts 2 church, was lived out after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when the day of Pentecost came and God poured out his spirit upon the earth. Is that people gave in accordance to what was required by God so that every person would not have a need. How amazing would that be? Well, I tell you what, it can happen. (laughs) It really can. It can happen. But you know what? It starts with you. It starts with me. See, I have to do my part. I have to be willing to listen to the truth and know that, that instead of taking my opinions or my biases or the things that I think that I should do to, to make my life better, that I should look at God's word and gain a greater understanding of the things that are really the truth. And let God refine me. Let God change me. And I'll tell you, as I stand before you here as, as one of your pastors in this church, I'll make you a commitment today. My commitment is that that we become truth followers. That in everything that we do, that we seek the truth of God's word, even when it hurts. Even when we don't really like it. Even when we really don't want to hear it. That we will seek the truth and we will come to each other. We will encourage each other with the word of God. That we would help to equip each other for God's good works in Christ Jesus. And all that I ask of you as, as a brother in Christ is that you would do the same for me. That you would help me to understand the truth, that you would help me to, to pursue the truth in all things in my life. And together as the body of Christ, we would just bring glory to God. We would be a generous church helping meet the needs in our community. And when I say our community, I say within this body of believers. And that we would go outside these four walls and we would help to meet the needs in our city, Rio Rancho. And we would go outside this city and we would help to meet the needs in other cities in our state. And then we would go outside of the state and into all the world proclaiming the good news of the gospel. I believe that's what God is asking us to do. I believe that is what is required. And it just begins with you and I. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Father, it truly is the season for us to practice our faith. There should never be a day or a moment that we shouldn't be putting our faith into practice. And that begins with trusting you and believing in your truths. That begins with us bowing our hearts with, with humility and trust knowing that no matter what you ask of us, Father, that not only will you prepare the way, Father, but you will give us and equip us with the resources that we need to fulfill 
your call in our lives. Lord, this little church that's called Soul Rio is a church that we trust and believe that has been ordained by you. We know that, that right now in this moment, you are at work in the hearts of all of your people. Father, that you are revealing your truth to us, that you are showing us the things that you would have us to do. Father, but we know that's not enough just to know it. But Father, that we need to live it out. That we need to have faith and that we need to be faithful. So Father, by the power of your spirit, help us to practice our faith. Remind us to practice our faith. Encourage us to practice our faith. Father, as we look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we look to the gift that you've given us in this season, that we would be reminded that you are God and that you love us and that you had offered us this hope. Father, I thank you so much for this. I thank you for these moments and I pray your blessing as we go out in faith together as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.